Welcome to Mountain State Cardboard, a podcast about sports, sports cards, and life from the Mountain State of West Virginia. If you're looking for guaranteed hot picks and lead pipe lock advice on the next big thing in sports cards, just turn around now. This isn't the show for you. This is a fun conversation about the hobby we all love. Another episode of Mountain State Cardboard is on deck. I'm Tim. This is my podcast about sports, sports cards, and life. If you would be so kind, subscribe to the show on your podcasting platform of choice. Give me a rating. Give me a review. Help me share Mountain State Cardboard with the world. You can find me on the socials, Instagram and Twitter, at WVCardboard. The website is WVCardboard.com. The email address, WVCardboard at gmail.com. Connect with me. Let's have a conversation. Welcome to another episode of the show And I have got a ton to cover today, including the main segment at the end of the show. I just want to talk through some things that I think a whole lot of people might need to hear. Based on what I'm seeing on social media, based on conversations that I've had with friends of mine who are in the hobby, we're going to kind of dig into it at the the end of the show. And I'm just going to provide my perspective, my free advice. You can do with it as you wish. But... um, Yeah, main segment today, Uh, we're going to get down into it. Sports thoughts kicking off the show. I don't have a ton. This is kind of the the downtime, for lack of a better word, in American sports, in my opinion. Um, You know, Super Bowl has ended. We're kind of in the slog portion of the the NBA season, although All-Star Game weekend should have been, by all rights, this past weekend. It's usually over Valentine, around Valentine's Day. but this is kind of the the we're kind of in the doldrums of of the NBA season. Um, spring training hasn't started yet. Uh, the one thing we had was the Daytona 500. I'm not a NASCAR fan. Uh, I usually will at least pay attention to the Daytona 500 more because it's it's part of it, it's it's iconic. I guess uh, it's it's an American institution. Um, the, the only thing that I'll say about the Daytona 500 this year, the, the fascinating thing about NASCAR now to me is that Michael Jordan is a team owner and, uh, Bubba Wallace, uh, drives for the team that's co-owned by Michael Jordan and, uh, Denny Hamlin. I could not imagine driving a race car owned by Michael Jordan because NASCAR is a sport predicated on, you don't always have to win to win at the end, right? Like you don't, you don't have to win every race. You don't have to. And this is my listen, non NASCAR fan, five cent perspective on NASCAR. But like, you don't have to win every race. You just have to run strong and and be in the mix and maybe pick up a couple of wins through the season. And you could be in the mix for the championship at the end. I can't imagine Michael Jordan seeing anything that way. Like, I think that guy wants to go out and win every race. I could be wrong. I mean, I'm sure that he's more educated on the sport, and I'm sure that people around him have expressed this to him that, you know, I mean, Bubba Wallace, I forget what he finished, but like he was in the top 20. He led a lap. So he's like, he got some points last night in the, in the race. I can't imagine the immense pressure of driving a car owned by Michael Jordan. And that's my one like actual sports thought. I've got other thoughts that are, that are cooking in the back of my mind about, Giannis and and Luca and some of the guys in the NBA based on a conversation I had with a friend over the weekend, but they're not fully formed yet, so I'll I'll sit on those. Um, but I do have a lot of other stuff to talk about today. 
some of my sports thoughts directly relate to the state of West Virginia. I'm going to save those for a second. Um, but I, I wanted to talk from jump today about Tops Series 1, 2020 Top Series 1, released last week. I was at my LCS on release day at 11 o'clock when the shop opened, and they were still unpacking the, the cases. And I'm proud to say that I got the first Hobby Jumbo and Hobby Box sold out of my LCS on release day, very first customer. I, that may not mean a lot to anybody else. It means a lot to me. Like I love flagship. I have made that expressly clear on the show, and I have actually had uh, some pretty heated discussion over the last several days uh, with folks that don't care for tops or tops flagship. I love it. To me, it's 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 sentimental. Uh, I've got a lot of memories wrapped up in tops flagship uh, because when I came up, tops there was tops there was no such thing as tops flagship. There was just tops, right? 1980, first pack of cards. 1980. The only baseball cards on the market, tops, right? Mass produced. Donris Fleer showed up in 81. Tops was it in 1980, and there was only one top set. There was not Tops Tiffany. There was not Tops Chrome. There was a tops. That was that's what you bought. And I have just a ton of memories wrapped up in flagship. So I had the best time this week busting and sorting and and collating series one the flagship series one base set built is put away preserved for history and now i'm selling off pieces and it's fun and and i've just had a blast this week quick thoughts on series one i think that aesthetically it's a good looking card i wish the names were a little bigger like the player names on the front this is a small thing I wish the player names were a little bigger on the front, but um, but just really, uh, really sharp looking cards, white border, a little bit of artwork on it, uh, big photo, nice, aesthetically pleasing cards. There's a top 70 year stamp on the front, and I have seen some dialogue online that uh, the cards may be a tough grade this year because on a lot of the uh, cards that that foil stamp on the front is pushed through into the back. uh, So the back isn't completely flat. There's an indentation or a reverse indentation uh, on the back. So watch out for that when you're grading, I guess Uh, we'll see how these cards start to come back. But uh, that foil stamp may be cause may cause problems with the surface on the back. So uh, beware of that when you're sending cards to grade, I picked up on a little bit of that uh, this week. Variations are cool. I, I, I did hit a short print, uh, Ted Williams. It's the short print of the Andrew Benatendi card. Um, cool looking card. Didn't mean a lot to me. Already sold and out the door. Um, but it's a cool card. Uh, the parallels are pretty simple. Rainbow foil, gold foil, black border, gold border, um, serial numbered cards. They're, they're fine. Um, nothing uh exciting about that the silver packs are cool it's the 86 style which 1986 tops i i never liked until about a year or two ago and then something about that card struck me the simplicity the black top white bottom um the simplicity of that card kind of struck me as being more attractive than i ever gave it credit for the the 86 style cards are are fine the 
they really look good in the silver pack refractors. Uh, so I do like uh, I do like those, and I, I got a couple of uh, decent rookies out of those, and uh, I, I actually hit a Nolan Arenado out of the silver pack, which is going into the PC, which is cool. Uh, I you know enjoyed pulling that. Uh, relics are fine. I'm not big on manufactured relics. There are some of those. Uh, this year, spring training logo manufactured patch. Um, the game more top. If if patches and autos are your thing, tops is not your product. Let's just be frank about that. At least Topps flagship is not your product. Um, sticker autos uh, in the uh, 70 Years of Baseball auto series. I hit a Steve Garvey. Don't like sticker autos. Not going to keep that. Um, I hit a Juan Soto relic. Uh, it's fine. It's the 86 style. I'm on the fence as to whether or not I'm going to keep that. Uh, hit a manufactured patch. Not keeping that. Just move those things out to help buy more cards down the road, and I'll, I'll get into more of that. Uh, later, but my overall review of Top Series One is pretty solid. Um, I think 2018 is probably my favorite recent set. Uh, 2020 was fine. 2019 was okay. Uh, 2018 I really liked an awful lot. 2021 is is right now. I'm I've got good vibes on 2021. Uh, huge rookie crop in the flagship set. So uh, do your research uh, if you're into prospecting in baseball or if you're thinking about getting into it. Uh, do your research. Shoot me an email. I, I don't want to get into a lot of card advice, player advice on here, but if you if you do have a question, I I feel like baseball is much more of my wheelhouse than any other sport. So uh, hit me up on Instagram or Twitter or shoot me an email, wvcardboard at gmail.com. Uh, if you, if you want to talk about baseball, if you're somebody that you're a basketball guy and you're getting into baseball and you want to just chop it up a little bit, shoot me a message. I'm ha- I'll talk cards and baseball all day long. Um, three things that I'll always talk about cards, baseball, and dogs. Uh, and that's a shout out to my boy, Ken Kinsley out in Texas. We just chatted up about dogs last night. It was fun. Uh, anyway, I love dogs more than people. Uh, series one, uh, thumbs up right now. And I'm, I'm excited. So I've built the base set. Now I'm just going to pick up, uh, some packs and boxes when I can and, and just look for parallels and, and hits and, you know, just, that's what I want to spend my summer doing. Uh, so that's kind of it for me till series two comes out and then heritage and stadium club. And that'll be, you know, my ripping for the summer, uh, this week on eBay, I did, I, I, part of my goal was to get series one, bust it, take what I want, get things listed before the market got glutted. And I was pretty successful there. I got some things up and out and still got some things listed that I'm hoping to move. But, um, yeah, just, getting series one on the market. The other thing I did, and I mentioned that I'm only saying this because I mentioned it last week. You know, I have a ton of this late eighties, early nineties, junk wax basketball from some super cheap wax boxes that I picked up in the fall of 2019. I finally got some of that stuff listed on eBay, uh, Sunday night. It's up seven day auction. Everything starting at 99 cents. It's player lots, bird, Barkley, magic, David Robinson, Gary Payton, they were the ones that I kind of focused on. I'm going to do another run later with some of the other Hall of Famers from that era, Olajuwon, Reggie Miller, uh, Malone, Stockton, those guys. But the first batch is up. I do not talk about my sales really on the show. Uh, I don't promote my sales. I talk about the results when I think they're relevant. I don't promote my sales on the show, but I will say if you're interested in some really clean, sharp, inexpensive, early 90s, hoops, 
Fleer, Upper Deck, Skybox, the inaugural Skybox set, cheap auctions up on my in my eBay store. I don't post about them on Instagram. I don't talk about my sales on on the podcast. But if you want to know about it, follow me on Twitter at WV Cardboard. I'll tweet about it throughout the week to promote the sales. Twitter to me is much more transactional. I think Instagram is about conversations and looking at cards and talking about cards from a hobby standpoint. I don't want this show to be a platform for sales. I never, ever, ever want this thing to turn into an infomercial. Uh, But to me, Twitter is a little bit more transactional. So I'll tweet about uh, tweet links to my auctions. Uh, if you, so if you're interested at WV cardboard on, uh, the Twitter, um, but yeah, I just player lots, 99 cent starting price, price to move. I, I don't want them. I want somebody else to have them and enjoy them or make money off of them. I, I just, that's just not something that's important to me. I, I, I've got what I want. I just want to. I just want to get these cards out there now. Um, so, follow me on Twitter if you if you're interested in in that. Uh, the auctions will end uh, this coming Sunday, February 21st. If you're listening to this uh, out of order, you've missed the auction. Anyway, okay. Content social media shoutouts. Uh, just a couple this week. I'm I'm really hoping to spend a little bit more time in the maid segment today because I want to flesh out some thoughts, but. Um, content, social media shoutouts, just a couple. First of all, welcome back, Jordan. Sports Cards Analytics. Uh, he Jordan had been off for a few weeks, uh, focus, focus, focusing on his own health, uh, but he's back, and the hobby and hobby content is a better place when Jordan is adding something to the discussion. So I was just super thrilled this week that Jordan, Sports Card Analytics, reappeared, new video, New format, slightly new format, good stuff. Glad to have Jordan back. And then Sports Card Investigators, I'm hitting the high notes, the, the the old favorites today. Sports Card Investigators' latest show, uh, really solid, but my favorite part was talking about his his the time that he met and interacted with John Chaney. Um, legendary Temple basketball coach, passed away recently. Uh, Andy and I had talked about it on Instagram uh, in DMs a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he told a story about uh, meeting John Chaney, and I believe that was at Duquesne, so I'm going to guess it was the A.J. Palumbo Center on the campus of Duquesne University um, where he met uh, met John Chaney, and I just thought it was a great story, and it showed a human side of, of John Chaney. And if you only watched basketball coming up as a kid in the 90s, the 80s and 90s, and you only saw John Chaney on television – you missed a whole different side of, of John Chaney. I had some minor stories, John Chaney stories, watching him interact with the student section and the pep band at WVU when WVU and Temple were both in the Atlantic 10. Andy's story about meeting John Chaney was just, I, I, I loved it. It was a great story. So I always enjoy those personal stories like that when it's not just numbers and it's not just, it's not just, Pushing hobby advice is a great story, and thanks to Andy for telling it. Uh, the other social media shout out: one of my favorite Instagram accounts, my own. And I, I'm kidding when I say that that's false bravado. But I wanted to tell this story, and it doesn't really fit anywhere else, so I'm going to throw it in the content social media shout outs portion. I tweeted a, or I, I, I posted on Instagram uh, 
over the weekend a picture of two uh, WWE wrestling cards. And I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan. I don't really talk about it on the show. Uh, it's more because that's never been part of my card hobby life. I, wrestling cards, for those of you that are in it, I think they're super cool. It's just not been a thing for me. Uh, but when I was in the LCS this week to get my uh, top Series 1 hobby boxes, there was just a random box of wrestling cards on the counter that I was thumbing through while they were finishing up unpacking uh, the boxes of the top shipment. And as I was thumbing through, I ran across two cards of WWE superstar Alexa Bliss. And I just pulled them out of the box. And when I paid, I said, hey, I want to get these two. And he kind of waved me off and said, just take them. That's just random stuff that I'm not sure what to do with. So just take those two cards. And I can tell you, they're, my guess is they're completely worthless, like probably worth a penny a piece. But I bought them because of a personal story and a connection that I had. And I wanted to share that today because that to me is the essence of the hobby. The essence of the hobby is the personal connections that we have with the sports or the players or the coaches, um, some personal connection or interaction that drives us, right? Uh, I collect cards because it's a, it's a way that I can stay connected to my grandfather who introduced me to card collecting uh, in 1980. Uh, I love baseball, and I have lots of baseball stories, and that's why baseball cards are my my passion. Why did I buy two Alexa Bliss uh, cards out of a random box on the counter of, of my local card shop? Because I, got, I met Alexa Bliss a couple of years ago, and it was just a really fun and great story, and I wanted to share it with you guys today. July 13th, 2018. WWE house show in my city. And uh, that same day, I had a meeting for work in a hotel across the street from the arena. And it happened to be the same hotel that the wrestlers stayed in when they were in town. And everybody kind of knew that. And I'm not I'm not the guy that's going to hang out at the player exit or entrance trying to get autographs or meet, meet players. I'm not going to hang out at the hotel waiting to meet wrestlers. That's just not, not me, not who I am. Um, but I was sort of cognizant of the fact that there was a show that night. I was cognizant because I had tickets to the house show. Um, and I knew that the wrestlers were probably in town. Uh, so I might bump into one in the lobby. So I sort of had my radar up for that. Uh, but I had this meeting in the hotel uh, with some of the hotel staff and the corporate offices and some of the smaller meeting rooms of this hotel are on the same floor as the pool and the fitness center. So meeting wrapped up and, uh, this is also one of those stories that's going to sort of highlight how just one minor decision can change things. Right? So meeting wraps up, get myself together go out to the hallway, push the button for the elevator. Elevator comes, opens up, and there are like seven or eight people already on this elevator. And so I just, when the door opened, I just waved and said, oh, you guys go on, I'll catch the next one. It was pretty full and I had a bag with me. And I just, so I, the elevators, I just waved them off and said, thanks, I'll just catch the next one. So doors shut, elevator leaves. I push the button to get the next elevator doors open and there standing in front of me is 
a tiny blonde woman who I think her government name is Lexi Kaufman. It was Alexa Bliss, one of my favorite wrestlers, standing right in front of me. And the only thing that I could think to say when the elevators opened up and she was like looking at her phone, earbuds in, the only thing I could think to say when the doors opened up was, oh my God. And at that point, she looks up at me and I think I startled her. And I looked at her and this is what I said. Me, all of my... Uh, education and uh, professionalism and uh, professional charm. I looked at her and I went, oh my God, it's you. That is what, that is the uh, incredibly articulate thing that I thought to say when the elevator doors opened and Alexa Bliss was standing in front of me. Oh my God, it's you. So I collect myself and I stepped back and I said, I'm sorry, excuse me. I'll let you off. And so she, she kind of laughs and chuckles and she walks off and I, and PS two of my coworkers are standing about five feet away from me watching this happen. Not a clue who this person is because they don't watch wrestling. They're watching this happen and they're like, can't figure out what in the world is going on. So as she steps off and she's kind of chuckling, I said, I'm so sorry if I startled you. So I just was not expecting to see you on the elevator. I said, I just want to tell you that I'm a big fan uh, of your work. I think you're, you know, really great wrestler. You're incredibly entertaining. Like just, and I said, thank you. I said, just want to say thanks. And I'm a big fan. Thank you. And she paused and she chatted with me for a minute. She was like, are you coming to the show tonight? And I said, yeah, I've got tickets. My buddies and I are coming. Uh, you know, it's great to know you're going to be on the card. Like, all this, you know, I can't wait to watch you wrestle in person. I said, I really am a fan. I, th- I think you're great. I, you know, love your stuff. She's like, well, thank you so much. She was so kind. And I asked her, I said, I, I don't want to be a creep. I said, but would you mind if we took a picture together? And she was very accommodating. She said, of course. So one selfie with Alexa bliss that I've never posted on social media and never will, because it's not about that. It's not about me trying to uh, and I'm only telling this to talk about the cards, um, but I've never posted that picture on any social platform, nor will I. Um, that picture is for me and to commemorate a moment. And she was, I will say this, Alexa Bliss is kind and accommodating and gracious and just, she. It was it was less than five minutes. I will never forget it as long as I live because she was just so pleasant. And I think understood the fact that I was a little bit taken aback by the fact that I just bumped into her. But had I not let that first elevator pass, I never would have met her. So I bought, I picked up these two cards. I can't even say I bought them because the guy gave them to me. They're in penny sleeves. Right now they're sitting on my desk. They'll eventually go into a box to commemorate a moment in time. And that's what the cards are about. The cards are about our connection to our heroes, our connection to a moment, our connection to our youth. That's why I have those two particular wrestling cards, and I'm not going to go out and start collecting them. Uh, I'm only I, I'm I'm interested in one other card. I'm looking for a nice um, uh, Heath Slater uh, autographed card uh, because Heath Slater is from uh, West Virginia, um, and he's a guy who. I don't know him, but several of my friends who have some connections to the local indie wrestling scene and 
uh, they know him and have met him and, and by all accounts, great, great dude. Uh, so I am looking for a Heath Slater auto at some point, a nice one, but, uh, these two Alexa bliss cards, I just picked them up because they made me smile because they reminded me of that day, July 13th, 2018. And no, I don't obsessively know that. I know that because of the timestamp on the photo that lives on my phone. Um, anyway, so that's why I posted that picture this weekend of those two cards. And that's the story of why I picked up those two uh, Alexa Bliss cards. West Virginia Connections this week. I want to talk real quick about one card that I bought uh, recently. It's a 1909-1911 T206 Jack Warhop card. It's the oldest card that I own. Uh, recently picked it up. It's now in the Born in West Virginia uh, box that I have, my Born in West Virginia um, curated collection. Uh, Jack Warhop, uh, born in Hinton, West Virginia, played baseball for the New York Highlanders and the Yankees. Uh, he was considered by a lot of folks uh, in that are hooked up with baseball history uh, to be one of, if not the most unlucky pitchers in the history of baseball. Uh, he had a career record of 69 and 92. Uh, and of his 92 losses, his team did not score a run in 23 of those. So in 92 of his losses, he lost 23 shutouts. His team, no run support. And he holds the major league record for most 1-0 games. He lost five 1-0 games in 1914, and that's still a record. So uh, Jack Warhop was the victim of some bad luck and bad offense back in the day. The other thing uh, from a West Virginia standpoint I want to say is uh, – one of the greatest, if not the greatest, women's basketball player from the state of West Virginia ever retired this week. You may or may not know her. My guess is you don't. Uh, her name was Renee Montgomery. Uh, Renee she still is Renee Montgomery. She's not dead. She retired. Uh, Renee Montgomery uh, retired from the WNBA this week after an 11-year career. Uh, she is someone that I got to watch very early in her high school career, and I have paid attention to throughout her professional career. So she went to South Charleston High School uh, in South Charleston, West Virginia. Uh, I got to see her play because I used to work for the radio company that uh, broadcast the state boys and girls basketball games statewide on a radio network, and I helped produce the games. Uh, so I was courtside for Renee Montgomery's high school career. Uh, she led South Charleston to back-to-back -back state titles. She was the state player of the year. She then went on to UConn. She was part of that uh, 39-0, one of those 39-0 UConn national championship teams drafted into the WNBA, the Minnesota Lynx. She also played for the Connecticut Sun. Uh, she played for Seattle, Atlanta. She's been a champion at every level, high school, college, professional. She won two uh, championships with the uh, Minnesota Lynx. Uh, I'm now starting to look for – I've never – collected or purchased WNBA cards. But I want to put together a biographical run of Renee Montgomery for my Born in West Virginia collection. She was a a, a fantastic uh, basketball player and, and frankly still has a little bit of gas in the tank. But part of the reason I think she retired is so that she can focus on social, social justice issues. And I respect that. I respect that greatly. So uh, this is just a shout out to Renee Montgomery, the best female basketball, the best women's basketball player I ever saw. Uh, come out of the state of West Virginia. And it's funny, she came up uh, just behind uh, or around the same time as 
what many considered they thought would be the greatest women's basketball player ever in the state of West Virginia, uh, Alexis Hornbuckle, who was also very good, went to Tennessee uh, to play. Uh, they were they played at the same high school at uh, approximately the same time. Um, but Renee Montgomery, her career far surpassed uh, Hornbuckle's, and uh, Renee Montgomery was just an incredible talent on the court. She's, uh, by all accounts, a good person. And uh, so now I'm, I'm going to go out and, and sort and search out, seek out uh, some Renee Montgomery cards. Uh, I'd just like to have uh, from rookie through uh, her last year, and most notably I, I want to get a card of her in each uniform for each team that she played for. So I'm going to work on that uh, as one of my projects uh, this summer. And that leads me into my main segment and, you know, focusing on this born in West Virginia portion of my collection uh, is something that I'm very passionate about. I mean, we're Mountain State Cardboard, right? So I've always said that being from West Virginia and supporting and shouting out the state of West Virginia is very important to me. Uh, So uh, from time to time, I like to refocus on that and recalibrate and bring it back to that very important piece of my collecting. Um, But I want to talk today about hobby fatigue. It's a thing, and it's so funny how these things happen because uh, Brett from Stacking Slabs posted something this week on his Instagram. I was already putting together notes for a show on hobby fatigue this week because of some personal interactions and some things that I'd seen on social media that led me to think, you know, we need to talk about this because I see some guys getting burnt out. I see some guys stepping back. I see some guys that are... Uh, becoming a little disillusioned, people that I know and that I talk to or that I follow. So I wanted to put this together. And then Brett goes out and posts on Instagram the following, and this is just a portion of the post. Hobby fatigue is real. Outside forces like market condition, trends, and unhelpful content can cause depletion. Reevaluating focus and engaging with a core group helps. I should just stop the show right there because that's it. Like that's listen to those words. When you're feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling jaded or you're feeling disillusioned, just refocus, right? But I will flesh it out. I want to talk more in depth about this because I do see it uh, throughout my social media circle when it comes to the hobby. So I always say collect what you like, right? So I'm going to take it a step further today and say focus on what you like. Block out the noise. Don't stress about the stuff that gets you down. And I think a lot of that comes from the hardcore investment side of the hobby and the hardcore investment side of hobby content. I'm not here for the investment, and I don't think a lot of you or a lot of us are. I'm here because I love cards. You know, just talking about the Alexa Bliss story, I obviously love sports and the hobby and the cards. And it's all about that personal connection, right? I don't stress about the investment side of this thing. I sell cards to fund buying more cards. I'm not retiring off of this. I'm not quitting my job. I'm just here to grind, meet people, and buy more cards, period. That's it for me. That's what I'm here for. So if you are overwhelmed by the investment side of this, or the people talking about the money side of it, don't stress about that. Focus on what you like. I'll say this. The last 12 months have been rough for 
all of us, rougher for some, not quite as rough for others, but the last 12 months have been rough. My job, like a lot of people's jobs, has been stressful. I've had to carry a lot of burden, um, a lot of responsibility, make a lot of decisions that I didn't anticipate having to make. Um, and, and And the stress level of my job pales in comparison to others. Life has been stressful. Cards are my escape. Cards are my joy. I refuse to get caught up in the drama and the stress of the hobby. I refuse to get caught up in the stress of, am I going to be able to buy this and flip it and make money off of it? That's, I'm, not, I'm not in it for that. And if you're seeing content like that and it's bringing you down, just block it out. It's funny too. I, I, you know, in in you know, going through my social media every day, and I'm on Instagram every day, multiple times throughout the day, just you know, looking at cards and chatting with guys and and talking about cards. It's all about the cards. But anyway, so uh, I haven't mentioned um, Chris in a while, the sports card PT, but he uh, posted something interesting on Instagram this week that I wanted to reference, and and I hope that Chris doesn't mind that I'm I'm telling this story, but it's on his social media; it's public. But I mentioned actually last week, I I talked about Chris last week. Uh, I mentioned his Robert Williams collection, and he's got the Revolution Rainbow working. Uh, Robert Williams uh, went to Texas A&M, plays for the Celtics. Uh, But he he has a really cool Robert Williams PC. The Revolution Rainbow, he's got some some patch autos and and some really unique and and, um, uh, scarce Robert Williams pieces. And it's because of the fact that he went to Texas A&M. And it, so that's his guy, right? So he posted this story and it was kind of funny, but also in the back of my mind, it was a little bit sad. It was a sad commentary on the hobby. He posted this, this car, this about Robert Williams. And he said, you know, I, I, for those that follow me and know me, like Robert Williams is a passion project. You know, I, I don't have the text of the post in front of me. But basically his point was I collect Robert Williams cards because he went to Texas A&M and I like him and, and like, that's my guy. But every time I post one of these cards, invariably somebody hits him up and says, Hey, great looking card. Are you high on this guy? Do you think he's got potential? Is this, is this a solid investment? No, no, I bought the card cause I like Robert Williams. And it's such a sad commentary on the state of where things are in our hobby right now that if you just post a guy, a card of a guy that went to your alma mater and you bought it because you because of his connection to your alma mater and it's not you're not buying it as some kind of shorter long-term investment, you're buying it because you love cards, that you get questions about the investment side of it. Like, that's sad. That would be like, I have some Javon Carter cards. Javon Carter went to WVU. He's, I've, I've got some pretty rare Javon Carter cards. Um, and I've got some unrare Javon Carter cards. When I get into a player, I don't just look for scarce. I want to, I, I just want to consume. That's kind of how I am. So I've got some Javon Carter stuff. Javon Carter is not a good investment. Javon Carter is a good basketball player, but he's never going to have hobby value. So when Chris posts these Robert Williams cards and immediately gets hit up with guys just looking for the next big thing, that's a sad commentary on our hobby. So 
like I said, focus on what it is you like and block out that noise. Find the creators and the accounts that you connect with. Maybe they educate you. Maybe they share your passion. Or maybe they just entertain you. But no matter why, find those creators and focus on that and drown out the noise. And don't sweat those accounts that stress you out. Bad actors, uneducated fools peddling bad information, market manipulators. That's not just in cards. That's in all facets of life. There are phony, fake dishonest people everywhere, but the hobby, certainly they exist. But don't sweat those accounts that stress you. And even the, okay, I'm not a Gary Vee fan. I'm not a Vegas Dave fan by a long shot. And I, I said his name. I actually said I'd never say his name, but I'm not fans of these guys. They're operating on a completely different level that I do not aspire to. And that I can't connect with. You know, I said last week, I don't, I, don't, I don't care about Kendrick Perkins' PC. I don't care about left coast cards. I don't care about Deshaun Watson, who I like as a football player, posted a picture of a, a Dwayne Johnson rookie card that is blowing up in the hobby. And he posted a picture of it sitting on the table beside him. I don't care. I don't care about the collections of millionaires. I care about the cards. So my advice to all of you guys, and I'm not trying to preach, and and forgive me if I'm coming across as preachy. I'm not trying to preach, but what I'm trying to do is say to you, if you are are in this and you you find yourself getting stressed or disillusioned or jaded, or you just want to just step away for a while, first of all, if you want to step away, step away. I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to try to talk you out of it. You do what's best for you. But... Before you just step away or give up or, or quote-unquote take a break, take, just take a step back and think about what got you here. Think about what you want to get out of this and why you're in this hobby. Like I said, my job and my life have been stressful for the last 12 months, mostly because of the pandemic. I refuse to let that creep into my hobby life. This is my escape. So find what makes it the escape for you and focus on that. And drown out those other guys and those other content creators and the, and the, the noise. Because at the end of the day, let me, let me just say this, and I'm, this, 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 this might make some people angry, but I'm going to say it and then we're going to wrap this up. Do you know how much your cards are worth? The reality, nothing. Now, before you stop listening and vow to never listen again, or three, you, I want you to understand what I mean by that. Every card in your collection, slabbed or unslabbed, is really worth nothing. It only has value to you and to someone else who might buy it. But in the real world, like you can't go down to the Kroger and feed your family with your PSA 10 Zion rookie, right? You'd have to sell it first. I've got a buddy who's got an enormous Kobe collection that's worth, I shudder to think how much this collection is worth. He will never sell it. So it's worth nothing. 
it has value in our world of the hobby, but these cards that we have, they only have value to us on a personal level and to someone who might want to buy them. You may have spent X number of dollars on that card, but that's just an expense. That's not really what it's worth. And I know that this is a little bit theoretical and it's a little bit you know, out there for some people to try to understand, but your card only has value once you make the decision to sell it. Otherwise, it's just a piece of cardboard in a box. Maybe it's inside a thick piece of plastic, but it's just a piece of cardboard in a box. When I was six years old and collecting 1980 tops for the first time, I didn't think about the money. I'd thought about the players on the front and the information on the back, and that's it. And those cards lived in a shoebox. I still have every single one of those cards. And when I get stressed out about the money side, and I'm, I listen, like I said earlier, I sell cards so that I can buy more cards. I'm in the game. I'm not in the game the way other guys are in the game, but I'm in the game. I'm selling cards. So these cards, like I can sit here and say these cards have no value, but I'm out here peddling them too. But what I try to keep focused on is those 1980 tops in a shoebox and two Alexa Bliss cards that mean nothing to anybody but me because I had a fun interaction with her two years ago, three years ago. The Hank Aaron and the Mickey Mantle cards that are sitting on my desk that I'll never sell because they're a reminder of a fun story of buying them in a diner parking lot. When when the hobby content creators get me down, I just step back and I think about all of those things. I think about my granddad in 1980 and cards. I, I think about the personal collect connections. I think about all of the people from who were born in the state of West Virginia, a very downtrodden state, whose cards live in my collection as a reminder that people can come from West Virginia and do great things. You can grow up in West Virginia and be a professional baseball player and a pretty damn good one. That's what this hobby is about for me. So find your thing. Find what it is that brought you here and focus on that when this all gets you down. And a reminder of what I said back in episode 20 of this podcast, always be excellent to each other. Treat the other guys that you that you know in the hobby your social media circle, your hobby circle, treat the treat everybody well. Check in on each other, chat it up. You see a guy getting down, give him a little inspiration. That's what this hobby is all about. It's not about the money. Cuz that's not the hobby, that's the business. I'm going to stay focused on the hobby. Have a great week everybody. If you would be so kind, subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice. Drop a rating, drop a review. Find me on the socials, Instagram and Twitter at WV Cardboard. The website is WVCardboard.com. The email address, WVCardboard at gmail.com. Connect with me and let's have a conversation. Peace, love, and penny sleep. Connect with Mountain State Cardboard on Instagram at WV Cardboard. Our theme music is performed and produced by John Ingram. Visit our show page on Anchor, anchor.fm slash WV Cardboard. This podcast is a member of the 3BG Podcasting Network, a production of 3BG Media. All rights reserved.